<clears throat> Not hearing you, Lemoyne. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Being one of those mornings, all right. <laughs> Start again. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email, also sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 11, God's Plan for Salvation, with Section 4, The Investment in Reality. And at the top of the hour, we will pause for remembrance of our lesson, remembering our lesson for the day, lesson 125. In quiet, I receive God's word today. Okay, we go through what I have for here. Um, uh, With us in reading, I have Bran, Lori, uh, Robin Marie, Karen, Lana, and Regia. I love mine. Did you say my name? Because it seemed like you cut out. I did, Karen. Let's see. I've got Fran, Lori, Robin Marie, Karen, um, Lana, and Regis. And with us and listening, I have Sandra and Harrison, and uh, one other person who's just joined us this morning. Um, and would you, Leanne, would you like to read or listen? Listen. Okay. Uh, It is possible to do it from the Foundation for Inner Peace version once, you know, once you get far enough here into the book, but uh, it's a little different, so I understand this thing. Okay. Right, this is the point of one of my favorite points of the day. Let me turn to you, Lori, and ask, do you have a poetic opening for this call? I do, Lemoyne, and uh, a really great, rich one. 
uh, thought-provoking as regards both today's lesson and today's reading. It's a Mary Oliver poem, and it goes like this. Why worry about the loaves and fishes? If you say the right words, the wine expands. If you say them with love and the full ferocity of that love and the felt necessity of that love, the fish explode into many. Imagine him speaking. And don't worry about what is reality or what is plain or what is mysterious. If you were there, it was all those things. If you can imagine it, it is all those things. Eat, drink, be happy. Accept the miracle. Accept, too, each spoken word spoken with love. In quiet, I receive God's word today. Amen. That was beautiful. Thank you, Lori. Yes, that was beautiful. Thank you, Lori. Yes, so lovely, Lori. Thank you. Thank you. It spoke to my heart. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Lori. All right, well, I'll go ahead and get us started then. In Chapter 11, God's Plan for Salvation, Section 4, The Investment in Reality. I once asked if you were willing to sell all you have and give to the poor and follow me. This is what I meant. If you had no investment in anything in this world, you could teach the poor where their treasure is. The poor are merely those who have invested wrongly, and they are poor indeed. Because they are in need, it is given you to help them, since you are among them. Consider how perfectly your lesson would be learned if you were unwilling to share their poverty. For poverty is lack, and there is but one lack, since there is but one need. Friend. I'm sorry. (laughs) Section four, the investment in reality. I once asked if you were willing to set all you have and give to the poor and follow me. This is what I meant. If you had no investment in anything in this world, you could teach the poor where their treasure is. The poor are merely those who have invested wrongly, and they are poor indeed. Because they are in need, it is given you to help them since you are among them. Consider how perfectly your lesson would be learned if you were unwilling to share their poverty. For poverty is lack, and there is but one lack since there is but one need. 25. Suppose the brother insists on having you do something you think you do not want to do. The very fact of his insistence should tell you that he believes salvation lies on it. 
If you insist on refusing and experience a quick response of opposition, you are believing that your salvation lies in not doing it. You then are making the same mistake that he is and are making his error real to both of you. Insistent means investment. And what you invest in is always related to your notion of salvation. The question is always twofold. First, what is to be saved? And second, how can it be saved? Thank you, friend. And Lori? 25. Suppose a brother insists on having you do something. You do not think... Wait, now. Suppose a brother insists on having you do something you think you do not want to do. The very fact of his insistence should tell you that he believes salvation lies in it. If you insist on refusing and experience a quick response of opposition, you are believing that your salvation lies in not doing it. You then are making the same mistake that he is and making his error real to both of you. Insistence means investment. And what you invest in is always related to your notion of salvation. The question is always twofold. First, what is to be saved? And second, how can it be saved? 26. Whenever you become angry with a brother for whatever reason, you are believing that the ego is to be saved and to be saved by attack. If he attacks, you are agreeing with this belief, and if you attack, you are reinforcing it. Remember that those who attack are poor. Their poverty asks for gifts, not for further impoverishment. You who could help them are surely acting destructively if you accept their poverty as yours. If you had not invested as they had, it would never occur to you to overlook their need. Thank you, Lori. And Robin Marie. Twenty-six. Whenever you become angry with a brother, for whatever reason, you are believing that the ego is to be saved and to be saved by attack. If he attacks, you are agreeing with his belief. And if you attack, you are reinforcing it. Remember that those who attack are poor. Their poverty asks for gifts not for further impoverishment. You who could help them are surely acting destructively if you accept their poverty as yours. If you had not invested as they had, it would never occur to you to overlook their need. 27. Recognize what does not matter. And if your brothers ask you for something, quote, outrageous, unquote, do it, because it does not matter. Refuse, and your opposition establishes that it does matter to you. It is only you, therefore, who have made the request outrageous. 
For nothing can be asked of you, and every request of a brother is for you. Why would you insist in denying him? For to do so is to not to deny yourself and impoverish both. He is asking for salvation, as you are. Poverty is of the ego and never of God. No, quote, outrageous, unquote, request can be made of one who recognizes what is valuable and wants to accept nothing. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Karen. 27. Recognize what does not matter. And if your brothers ask you for something, quote-unquote, outrageous, do it, because it does not matter. Refuse, and your opposition establishes that it does matter to you. It is only you, therefore, who have made the request outrageous. For nothing can be asked of you, and every request of a brother is for you. Why would you insist in denying him? For to do, to do so is to deny yourself and impoverish both. He is asking for salvation, as you are. Poverty is of the ego and never of God. No quote-unquote outrageous request can be made of one who recognizes what is valuable and wants to accept nothing else. 28. Salvation is for the mind, and it is attained through peace. This is the only thing that can be saved, and the only way to save it. Any response other than love arises from a confusion about the quote-unquote what and the quote-unquote how of salvation. And this is the only answer. Never lose sight of this and never allow yourself to believe, even for an instant, that there is another answer. For you will surely place yourself among the poor who do not understand that they dwell in abundance and that salvation is come. Thank you, Karen. And Lana. Okay, 28. Salvation is for the moment, and it is attained through peace. This is the only thing that can be saved, and the only way to save it. Any response other than love arises from a confusion about the, in quotes, what, and the, in quotes, how of salvation. And this is the only answer. Never lose sight of this and never allow yourself to believe even for an instant that there is another answer. For you will surely place yourself among the poor who do not understand that they dwell in abundance and that salvation is come. 29. To identify with the ego is to attack yourself and make yourself poor. This is why everyone 
who identifies with the ego feels deprived. What he experiences then is depression or anger. But what he did is, I'm sorry, but what he did is to exchange his self-love for self-hate, making him afraid of himself. He does not realize this. Even if he is fully aware of anxiety, he does not perceive its source as his own ego identification, and he always tries to handle it by making some sort of insane, in quotes, arrangement with the world. He always perceives this this world as outside himself, for this is crucial to his adjustment. He does not realize that he makes this world, for there is no world outside of him. Thank you, Lana. And Rija. Uh-huh, thank you. Hold on. Just a moment. Okay. 29. To identify with the ego is to attack yourself and make yourself poor. That is why everyone who identifies with the ego feels deprived. What he experiences, then, is depression or anger. But what he did is to exchange his self-love for self-hate, making him afraid of himself. He does not realize this. Even if he is fully aware of anxiety, he does not perceive its source as his own ego identification. And he always tries to handle it by making some sort of insane, quote-unquote, arrangement with the world. He always perceives this world as outside himself, but this is crucial to his adjustment. He does not realize that he makes this world, for there is no world outside of him. 30. If only the loving thoughts of God's Son are the world's reality, the real world must be in his mind. His insane thoughts, too, must be in his mind. But an internal conflict of this magnitude he cannot tolerate. A split mind is endangered, and the recognition that it encompasses completely opposed thoughts within itself is intolerable. Therefore, the mind projects the split, not the reality. Everything you perceive as the outside world is merely your attempt to maintain your ego identification for everyone believes that identification is salvation. Yet consider what has happened. For thoughts do have consequences to the thinker. Thank you, Regent. And is there a new reader for 30 and 31? This is Sandra. I can read. Well, thank you, Sandra. Please go ahead. Okay. 30 and 31. If only the loving thoughts of God's Son are the world's reality, the real world must be in his mind. His insane world must be in his mind. His insane thoughts, too, must be in his mind. But an eternal an eternal internal conflict of this magnitude he cannot tolerate. 
A split mind is endangered, and the recognition that it encompasses completely opposes opposed thoughts within itself is intolerable. Therefore, the mind projects the split, not the reality. Everything you perceive as the outside world is merely your attempt to maintain your ego identification, for everyone believes that identification is salvation. Yet, consider what has happened, for thoughts do have consequences to the thinker. 31. You are at odds with the world as you perceive it because you think it is antagonistic to you. This is a necessary consequence of what you have done. You have projected outward what is antagonistic to, the in, to what is inward and therefore you would have to perceive it this way. That is why you must realize that your hatred is in your mind and not outside it before you can get rid of it and why you must get rid of it before you can perceive the world as it really is. Thank you, Sandra. And is there another new reader for... Uh, 31 and 32. Patricia here. Okay, please go ahead, Patricia. 31. You are at odds with the world as you perceive it because you think it is antagonistic to you. This is a necessary consequence of what you have done. You have projected outward what is antagonistic to what is inward. And therefore, you would have to perceive it this way. That is why you must realize that your, your hatred is in your mind and not outside it before you can get rid of it and why you must get rid of it before you can perceive the world as it really is. 32. We once said that God so loved the world that he gave it to his only begotten son. God does love the world. God does love the real world. And those who perceive its reality cannot see the world of death. For death is not of the real world. Death is not of the real world in which everything is eternal. God gave you 
the real world in exchange for the one you made of your split mind and which is the symbol of death. For if you could really separate yourself from the mind of God, you would die. And the world you perceive is a world of separation. Thank you, Patricia. And do we have another new reader for 32 and 33? I can read now. One more. 32. We once said that God so loved the world that he gave it to his only begotten son. God does love the real world and those who perceive its reality cannot see the world of death, for death is not of the real world, in which everything is eternal. God gave you the real world in exchange for the one you made out of your split mind and which is the symbol of death. For if you could really separate yourselves from the mind of God, you would die. And the world you perceive is a world of separation. 33. You were willing to accept even death to deny your father. Yet, he would not have it so. And so, it is not so. You still could not will against him. And that is why you have no control over the world you made. It is not a world of will because it is governed by the desire to be unlike him. And this desire is not will. The world you made is therefore totally chaotic governed by arbitrary and senseless quote-unquote laws and without meaning of any kind, for it was made out of what you do not want, projected from your mind because you were afraid of it. Well, thank you, Harrison. 
And is there another new reader for 33 and 34? Another new reader for 33 and 34? Okay. Um, Back to you, Fran. 33. You were willing to accept even death to deny your father. Yet he would not have it so. And so it is not so. You still could not will against him. And that is why you have no control over the world you made. It is not a world of will because it is governed by the desire to be unlike him. And this desire is not will. The world you made is therefore totally chaotic, governed by arbitrary and senseless quote-unquote laws and without meaning of any kind. For it was made out of what you do not want, projected from your mind because you were afraid of it. 34. Yet this world is only in the mind of its maker along with its real salvation. Do not believe it is outside of yourself, for only by recognizing where it is will you gain control over it. For you do, not, for you do have control over your mind, since the mind is a mechanism of decision. If you will recognize that all attack which you perceive is in your own mind and nowhere else, you will at last have placed its source. And where it began, it must end. For in this same place also lies salvation. The altar of God where Christ abideth is there. Well, I think I may have done that backwards on mute. So thank you, Fran and Lori. Uh, Back up just one sentence from 33. The world you made is made you do not want. Projected from your mind, you were afraid of it. This world is only in the maker, along with his real self. Do not believe it is outside of you, for only by recognizing where it is will you gain control over it. For you do have control over your The mind is the mechanism of decision. If you will recognize that all attack which you perceive in your own mind and nowhere else, you will at last its source, and where it began, it must end. For in this same place also lies salvation. The altar of God, Christ abideth, is there. 35. The altar, but not the world. Yet Christ has placed it on the altar for you. Bring your perceptions to this altar, for it is the altar. There you will see changed, and there you will learn to see truth. From this place, 
my son dwell in peace and where you are welcome you will look out in peace and behold the world truly if the you must relinquish your world as you have checked allowing the Holy Spirit back the real world to you from the altar of God amen mm, thank you Lori your phone was doing that breaking up thing again a little bit so I'm gonna ask uh, Robin Marie would you read 34 and 35 again Mine, I, I'm having a lot of uh, uh, chewing. <laughs> I'm sneezing a lot, so could you skip to, is it Karen next? Because <laughs> I'm yeah. sneezing too much. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. This is mine. Yeah, I wouldn't mind reading. I've, I'm always off and on mute myself, but <clears throat> same, same kind of allergic response. Um all right, Mindy, would you read 34 oh. and 35? Okay, Mindy. I thought you were going to do it yourself. I couldn't hear you, so I switched back to my phone. And give me a moment, and I will <clears throat> get back to my screen. Thank you so much. And Lemoyne, I, I am having a hard time sometimes hearing you, just to let you know. Okay, 34. Thanks for your patience, guys. I'm scrolling, and I'm almost here. Okay. Yet this world is only in the mind of its maker, along with his real salvation. Do not believe it is outside of yourself, for only by recognizing where it is will you gain control over it. For you do have control over your mind, since the mind is the mechanism of decision. If you will recognize that all attack which you perceive is in your own mind and nowhere else, you will at last have placed its source. And where it began, it must end. For in the same place also lies salvation. The altar of God where Christ abideth is there. You know, I just want to say that one more time. When I perceive it is in my own mind and nowhere else, you, I will at last have placed its source. And where it began, it must end. For in the same place also lies salvation. The altar of God where Christ abideth is there. 35. You have defiled the altar, but not the world. Yet Christ has placed the atonement on the altar for you. Bring your perceptions of the world to this altar, for it is the altar to truth. There you will see your vision change, and there you will learn to see truly. From this place where God and his Son dwell in peace, and where you are welcome, you will look in peace and behold the world truly. Yet to find the place, you must relinquish your investment in the world as you have projected it, allowing the Holy Spirit to project the real world to you from the altar of God. Remember that. 
Well, thank you, Mindy. <clears throat> and Karen, would you read 35, please? Okay. 35. You have defiled the altar, but not the world. Yet Christ has placed the atonement on the altar for you. Bring your perception of the world to this altar, for it is the altar to truth. There you will see your vision changed, and there you will learn to see truly. From this place where God and his Son dwell in peace, and where you are welcome, you will look out in peace and behold the world truly. To find the, yet to find the place, you must relinquish your investment in the world as you have projected it, allowing the Holy Spirit to project the real world to you from the altar of God. Thank you, Karen. I think in, instead of a a summary, I think the, the shortest possible summary here is, oh, so this is how I've done it myself. <laughs> okay, and uh, maybe share on that later. Uh, but I would like now to turn to, to you, Fran, and, and ask you to lead us in reflection of our lesson for today, which is... Uh, lesson 125, in quiet, I receive God's word today. Okay, thank you. Hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook, and we today we're on lesson 125. In quiet, I receive God's word today. So I shall read some from the lesson, and then we will do a five-minute practice on the lesson. Okay. In quiet, I receive God's word today. Let this day be a day of stillness and of quiet listening. Your Father wills you hear his word today. He calls to you from deep within your mind where he abides. Hear him today. No peace is possible until his word is heard around the world. This world will change through you. In stillness, we will hear God's voice today without intrusion of our petty thoughts, without our personal desires, without all judgments of his holy word. We will not judge ourselves today, for what we are cannot be judged. Today, we will not listen to the world, but wait in silence for the word of God. Hear, Holy Son of God, your Father speak. He has not waited until you return your mind to him to give his word to you. He does not cherish the illusions which you hold about yourself. Today he speaks to you. His voice awaits your silence, for his word cannot be heard until your mind is quiet for a while and meaningless desires have been still. Await his word 
and quiet. Three times today, at times most suitable for silence, give 10 minutes set apart from listening to the world and choose instead a gentle listening to the Word of God. In quiet, listen to your true self today and let him tell you God has never left his son and you have never left yourself. Only be quiet. Only be still and listen. As every hour passes by today, be still a moment and remind yourself you have a special purpose for this day. In quiet, to receive God's word, the word of God. All right, so we'll do our reflection. Lesson 125. In quiet, I receive God's word today.
Let this be a day of stillness and of quiet listening. Your Father wills you hear his word today. Lesson 125. In quiet, I receive God's word today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. That was fabulous. Thank you. Sure was, friend. Thank you. Oh, thank you, guys. Good morning, Aunt Harrison. It's just a wonderful lesson. And, friend, you've led it so well. You're such a blessing. And this lesson fits so nicely with our reading today and quiet I received God's word today and I believe he's really talking about quieting my mind because that's the source of all my chaos. Um, all of my problems or issues that I may think I have in our reading, it says that this world is only in the mind of its maker. And he adds, alone with his real salvation. Early on in my study of the Course, and I would read a statement like that, that my real salvation is in my mind. I would think that's the worst place it could be because I didn't seem to have any control over my mind or its thoughts or my thoughts would be quickly led to my behavior, the things I was doing to myself and to others, or things that others were doing to me. But Jesus is telling me that this world of form that I have wedded myself to is only 
in my mind. And more importantly, I made it. It didn't just appear. When I became aware of a world outside of me, as a child, and being taught that that was the only world that existed, and living my whole life in that belief, and now to be told that that world only exists in my mind. It's not outside of me at all. One of the most significant disagreements I had with my brother, Lee, was on the question of the world. Was there a world outside of my mind? Or did the world only exist in my mind? I now believe that the world only exists in my mind. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, all exist in my mind. And there is no world outside of my mind that perceives it. And perception is not of God. The Holy Spirit may use it to bring me back to the understanding that I made what I see with the body's eyes, outside of which is nothing. Thank you, I'm complete. Oh, that was great. Thank you so much, Harrison. Love that. Thank you, Harrison. This is Reverend Regia Joy. That's exactly what I was going to showcase because 
I read, um, <laughs> I think it's so perfect, just every time you read a paragraph, um, turns out to be just so apropos for where, where I am. Um, you know, he said, uh, <laughs> he, at the end of the paragraph 29, he always perceives this world as outside himself. So this is crucial to his adjustment. He does not realize that he makes this world, for there is no world outside of him. And this idea came to me last night. We have a Thursday night Zoom reading the Thursday text and that my husband has been doing in person for years, and then we went to Zoom a couple of years ago. And um, this idea came to me so strongly again and again and again that there's no world outside of the mind. He says, um, there's only mind, you within it and it within you. There's nothing else going on. That is such a really difficult <laughs> concept for the mind that lives in duality to wrap itself around. Because my whole life, I've experienced this. Being in a, I, I didn't understand it, and I keep asking often for clarity of what this realm is, and I'm getting much clarity from everywhere, in the course and everywhere, that it is in the one thing that's going on, mind. And that's the good news, because that's, that's what can, if, if I'm not in happiness, you know, bliss, then I can change my mind about what I think this world is and actually just let go and let it be exactly exactly what it is. The, the world is, is the real world. That's what's real. Uh, and that, like we said, uh, and like I said in the Course, cannot be threatened. <laughs> the unreal does not exist. So what a challenge to be here in a seemingly, in a place that is seeming, seemingly predicated on separation and to see the unity, to see the reality behind the appearance. What a challenge. And I said last night, I am so glad to be here, to, to be present in this, to be aware and awake in this, whatever it is, <laughs> you know, that we, that, that the mind has uh, jointly uh, conjured up. It's so incredible. It's really incredible. And I'm really blessed. Anyway, I, I am complete. Thank you. That is beautiful, Reverend Rachel. Thank you, Reverend yeah. Rachel. Thank you, Reverend Rita.
Good morning, it's Karen. Um, I'm kind of trying to to think about clarifying it by talking it out with you um, so I can be clear in my own mind about what, what this means. It says that even when we're fully aware of anxiety, we do not perceive its source as our own ego identification. When I'm ego identified, I'm feeling self-hate, but I don't know that either. Um, I'm try- you know, all the gifts of the Course are to uh, help me clarify what's going on in this crazy mind of mine. So when I slip into fear or I go into judgment or I go into um, guilt, I know I'm I'm misidentified. I'm identified with the false self. Now it's telling me if I'm if I have anxiety, I've also slipped into ego identification, and it's also telling me that my mind projects what I what I can't um, what I can't accept. What's not true? My mind is projecting that outside of myself and that's the outside world and the reason i do that is to maintain ego identification once again we're back to this thing about the ego identification that i don't even recognize i'm doing you know all my fear thoughts are are projected out into the world now (laughs) oh yeah i'm so safe i'm i belong to god and i'm so safe but the outside world, this world that I perceive or think that I perceive, you know, it's like full of war, it's full of conflict, climate change, and politicians I'm terrified of, and blah, blah, blah. So I'm still projecting what I can't, um, what I haven't put on the altar, what I haven't completely put on the altar to God, I'm still projecting that into the outside world. So my practice is is remembering that I don't know anything and that what I perceive out in the world, I'm putting on the inner altar again, and I'm not judging it as real or true. I'm just offering it to God because I don't really know how to interpret it yet. I really don't know how to interpret it. You have projected outward what is antagonistic to what is inward. You must realize that your hatred is in your mind and not outside of it. So for me, I'm just working on, I'm just working on coming to the place where I understand what I see out there is just the chaos of what's not yet purified in my own mind. And that I know I can look beyond it to the, to the place where there's love. And that in my inner world, that's what I need to do. I need to accept holiness and love. So I've been blessing myself with holiness and love. You know, not even in the place where I feel like God is extending through, the, through me this dirty channel but instead that I am accepting my holiness and love 
you know, and my oneness with God so that God isn't something else doing it for me. But maybe it's time to just accept there's holiness in love. And the holiness in love needs to go out and bless the world because then I'll see it more clearly. Then I'll see the truth of it. I do believe that that there is a divine um, experience that extends beyond what I think of as myself at this time. And that is what I'll become aware of more and more as I extend more and more love and holiness and complete. That was awesome, Karen. Just beautiful. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for letting me share that. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And and like you, Karen, I I feel that... um, Every time I read this section, I feel that intense need to untangle something. And um, and I'm grateful to say it's getting clearer uh, as my willingness opens more. And I'm reminded uh, of a quote after your share that just says it all to me. That being, the world you see is what you gave it. Nothing more than this, but neither is it less. Neither is it less. So when I ask for uh, clarity and what's mine to give, I will receive that when I'm quiet. Um, We talked the other day about ego doesn't know how to ask a question because it always asks the question from the frame of its own reference. And I'm grateful to say that um, that over time, and as a consequence of a long dry spell, <laughs> um, it's become clearer and clearer to me what he's talking about in terms of inside and outside. Uh, there's a basic confusion uh, in inside and outside, you know. And he runs, it's a, it's a thread that runs through this entire work. Uh, almost every lesson asks you to take a look at what's inside your mind. And then, I mean, if you ask yourself, uh, where is my mind? Where is my brother? Where am I long enough and um, and honestly enough, uh, clarity comes, uh, or at least glimpses of clarity, I'll say it like that. Questions like, can I be anywhere my brother is not? Can my brother be anywhere where I am not? Can God be 
anywhere where I am not? Can I be where anywhere God is not? These questions about inside and outside run throughout the work. Um, and all the time in the background of that is the, the knowledge he wants us to have that the kingdom of God is you. What else did God create but you? Okay, if I think I'm limited to a body, in that context, in and out makes sense, you know, kind of, because I can look at my, well, I can't look at it, but I can, uh, something in me can stand aside and say to itself, oh, uh, I'm in my brain or my consciousness is in my heart, or questions like that about in and out. But I'm thankful to say that ultimately it gets resolved, and the only way, and that's the nature of this work, The Course in Miracles, the only way I can get clear on inside and out is through the nature of creation. What did God create but you? And what can I accept but what God created? He says, God created the world. And God so loved the world that he gave it to you. He gave it to you. So there I have a clue that, that God loves the world. God loves his creation. He saw that it was good in his image and likeness. So I'm starting to untangle a little bit this question of in and out. And he says, go within. Where is within if I'm in a body? I can't, I can't get clear on that. But in the context of creation as it was given to the sun, I can start to get clear on that. And then this business of form and content becomes a confusion because if I'm in a body I am bound to see other forms and stuff outside my body separated from me by my skin that's not what he wants me to understand about creation uh, one moment please um, that's not what he wants me to understand about creation I need to go back to the world you see is what you gave it. Nothing more, neither is it less. Now, I'm starting to get a little bit of an idea about perception. If I'm limited to a body, then I'm going to see bodies. Perception, he says, is a result and not a cause. To the ego, perception is cause. You know, And to the ego... I'm going to be in a position where I'm always reactive against something I think is outside me. I'm body, ego, identified, and everything else is outside me. And I'm in a position to react. But if I realize the kingdom of heaven, he says you've never understood within you. Why? Because you think you're an ego body and that you have an inside and an outside. The kingdom of heaven is not within you, the kingdom of heaven is you. Oh boy, howdy. Now, the idea of the universe expands exponentially. He talks about this with the term great rays. Great rays. 
ultimately I'm going to discover and it is a discovery it must be a discovery otherwise Holy Spirit is interfering between my thoughts and their effect okay he can't do that he can't take fear from me because fear is a result of my thoughts so I need to release some erroneous thoughts in order to get where he wants me to get and the only way the only way I can do that is through love of my brother that's what makes this course in miracles different than every other way to God God is approached through love of his creation and he wants me to know the kingdom of heaven is me I am the love of God and when my awareness lands on the truth of me I discover that everything is the love of God there is no inside and outside and the confusion between form and content is gone form and content are dependent upon the idea of inside and outside you see when I let go of the idea of inside and outside I can simultaneously let go of the idea of form and content and now I'm getting down to reality the world you see is what you gave it nothing more than that neither is it less neither is it less that's so important to understand that's so important to understand because when I give love to everything I start to understand that I'm love and everything is love and the kingdom of heaven is love and when I can accept boy, there's there's a quote for this it's really really awesome um, it's in chapter 15 um, let's see um, it's the quote that says the loneliness in heaven is gone when I stop and think about that the loneliness in heaven is gone my limits start to melt away because the mind is continuous there's only one mind it's like an ocean I was thinking about it today these first few paragraphs about if your brother asks and if you refuse and, and all this and that and I thought this is so much like um, a boat navigating the boat if I'm having difficulty with my boat you know if you've ever driven an outboard motor you, you get the feeling that you have to grip that handle and point your boat in one direction and come what may that's the direction you're gonna go and if you do it like that tightly you're gonna experience a uh, lot of conflict but if I open up a little bit and realize that everything in the universe is helping me get where I want to go everything is for me he says you can you can learn an enlightenment even from a table if you knew what its meaning really is if I start to realize that everything in the universe is pointing me to God I can let go of the control on this outboard motor a little bit and start to move with it rather than against it and this is why God gave us each other 
so that we can figure out how to move with each other in love rather than resist each other and try to protect my ego boundaries there's a generosity that moves through creation that moves through the heart that moves with each other in a cooperative kind of way in this one mind and the more I realize that I can move with that rather than against it the more open I am to hear and receive God's word to me today I cannot navigate this by myself I can't because I think I am myself I have to discover my capital self includes all of creation in a cooperative way designed to serve as blessing all of it all of it is designed to serve as blessing and when I move with that that will be revealed to me and I'll know which way I go um, and the thing is we're all going together it must be so in order that the loneliness in heaven be gone see um, I, I must I must let this confusion about inside and outside and form and content be resolved and I can only do that by realizing that my brother is in my mind along with the world and then and then I can avail my mind of the happy dream the happy dream is the dream where we're all loose of this ego control moving in direction with the universe rather than against it and ultimately we discover the capital self we all share and where we are and what we are and it turns out we have to do it together I'm complete <laughs> Thank you, Bumblebee. Thank you. Thank you, Glory. Thank you, Lori. You know, I forgot the most important thing I wanted to say and that is uh, Christ's vision is the source of all miracles and um, and when I speak of navigating and control what I'm talking about is Christ's vision um, you now Christ's vision sees nothing that is not himself and Christ's vision is God's gift to us it is the thing that resolves form and content and in and out it's through Christ's vision that we can see the light it's the source of all miracles and it's the source of all release of control because everywhere he looks he sees himself and um, it's God's gift but for it I must release what I've laid upon the world and that's what forgiveness is for so 
No, I no, I'm complete. Gee whiz, I forgot the key thing. Sorry. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> anyway, now I'm complete. Oh, Thank yeah. you. That was great. Thank you. Lori, can you explain, this is Sandra, um, a little bit more about form versus content. I, I know that's very key, but, uh, my, but what I think, how I think I understand it is that it's, it's not about the form. It's about the content or the, the spirit behind what actually comes through. I, I'm, I, I just, I'm not clear about that whole thing. I mean, they're, they're, the words are simple, <laughs> but I just don't know how they fit together. Could you help me with that? Um, to me, um, there's an essence to everything. It's um, it's a gift. Uh, this essence. It's the gift of creation. It's the um, well, here's a way Moji talks about it that really helps me. He describes it as a fragrance. Um, I can get into that because I can't see smell, but I, it moves me. You know, I, I respond to it. And content is like that. It's the love of God. It's the essence of a person. Uh, it's the essence of the soul. It's the perfection and the innocence of creation. It's what the Holy Spirit projects from the altar of God. It's the love. Um, if I limit what I see to just what my eyes can behold of it, I don't understand it. But if I let it be revealed to me, I can understand it and realize it's the same as me and I'm the same as it. Um, without, without revelation, uh, I don't think I could have understood it, but um, I realized that that he says, <laughs> revelation. I'm going to get there. Uh, revelation reveals our relationship to God in truth. It comes to us through Holy Spirit about um, God is in me and I am in God, and God is all that's going on here. And I can't tell that to anybody. But I can share that with somebody through my attitudes toward them. And when I see truly, when I see a person truly, um, that person um, who seems to be outside of me is going to feel like someone knows them and understands them and accepts them unconditionally exactly as they are. That is an attribute of God. That's love. That's peace. That's joy. That's every emotional attribute we attribute to God. Gentleness, generosity, um, open-mindedness, acceptance, everything like that is content. But if I limit my eyes to what I see with my body's eyes and what I um, judge, 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 I've separated it just as if my mind were a camera. No more can you understand a picture in your album by just looking at the picture. You took the picture because you loved it. You were there. You want to retain something beautiful about it. That's content. 
it's not in the form it's in the essence and the Holy Spirit always can reveal that to me when I withdraw what I've projected onto it that's forgiveness and that's why forgiveness is the way to see I can see what's behind the reality of of something if I don't lay my projection on top of it he says projection makes perception you see what you believe is there and you believe it's there because you want it there what do I want to see I want to see a witness to truth and if that's what I want to see that's what Holy Spirit's going to reveal to me and it will always be content essence not form picture in an album is a really great way for me to help help me understand that I think I'm complete thank you for me Mm, thank you beautiful thanks for that it's here Patricia oh go ahead go Patricia I've I've shared so your turn (laughs) it just brought up a a beautiful question and what a that as Lori was talking about so many kind of like a little review flashes of incidents and how I I'm learning to understand how we're communicating this very personal sort of ripening of each of us as if you were we were looking at a tree and each of us were varieties you know of of fruit and varieties of stages on that tree you know it's so unique everyone so um, what came up here that got me to bounce up is one example I lived and and a lot of time for me when the content is really discovered it's looking back at something in the beginning rather than right in the moment and the really powerful one as I was learning this difference with the content was after my mother passed away in the last 10 years of her life I found myself uh, renting my home and office and everything and just my life was her and I did my my work there everything was her and uh, first of all that was surprising to me and my family could say and I, everyone would that uh, we have a very dramatic family and and she had lots of you know uh, family members that wouldn't talk to her lots of really serious stories from that you know the heartache as she's ending her life she can't resolve and then there were physical things too so we'd have to say that there were high levels of uh, serious stories but you guys I became the wealthiest daughter in the world when she was gone 
and all the siblings and everybody was there scurrying around trying to reconcile their lives. I just sat there stunned, remembering times when I I would be down on my knees with her in the chair so I could look up to her, you know, and be close there and speak to her maybe about some way I had written a response that could she could use that would be reconciling some trouble she's having with her daughter or somebody. You know, it wasn't the story. It was all of these moments of just being there. The common thread, I ask myself now, what is the common thread in this moment? And it would be, we're together. And and the story doesn't matter for me. It's, she's here looking at me. I'm looking for words now. All I can say is, I was aware that being with her and riding the waves of the stories, it was never any story. It was this communion. And I'm not saying that to find the, the content means you have to drop everything and be all the way there for somebody. Because now I was so surprised to find out I mean, I, I was devastated without her. But at the same time, I have things forever and so intimate because I spent so much time where the outcome was irrelevant. Okay, I'm getting closer. I find myself now able to be so blessed even in the middle of a storm when the, con- when the outcome is irrelevant. And I sit and ask, God, let me stay intimate with the heart of these people or this story and feel the glory of riding the wakes, the ebbs and flows, and just being the love in it and not the answer. So it does this content thing. It has what I call divine intervention that looks like disturbances, but they're divine disturbances. Like being in the eye of the storm, whatever the event is, and asking for what is a common thread? Well, we're all showing up. <laughs> we all care. So I, I look nowadays for some, even if it's just my silence with God and the ability to be there, which was really what I was doing with my mother. But afterwards, when there was no more chance to be with her again, It never mattered. It was almost as if those divine disturbances were what pulled me for those 10 years to be so totally intimate 
with, you know, everything of things you could say were very gross about the body slowing down and not functioning. But it was laughing and just doing it, you know, like a baby, you know, I could... I could hear her in the night when she hadn't gotten to the bathroom quite right. And I would just be up and there, but not to fix anything. It was really just to be there. There's something about no expectation and no need for an outcome that God calls for. And then a vision so worth the disturbances to look for that content. I don't know where my sharing went. It's it's new learning how to talk to each other with this part of us that's not the story. Even to say there's no error here and sit quietly with it and be very disturbed about saying there's no error here. But staying with it. Content comes and it's so, so worth it. Thank you. That was beautifully said. Beautifully said. And it reminds me of raising an umbrella. You know, when I raise that umbrella, whatever is under it with me is part of it. And um, and it's the umbrella that is the blessing. Um, it's hard to understand it any other way than holiness. I'm complete. Thank you, both of you. Thank you. Yes, I agree with you, Fran. Thank you both. Thank you very much. Well, this is Lemoyne, and uh, I have to I have to say I'm 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 with Lee <laughs> that you know, the world there is a real world, but the corrected perception that sees the real world passes right through it into heaven. There is a perception that can be achieved that sees sees heaven, where we have created a world based on separation, 
And this idea that there is a separate world in which we are all separate, that it is the idea that it's the illusion. And that is what the Course means when it says the world is false perception. And that is something reinforced throughout the Course that, you know, the world in which we project our fears is inherently a false perception. And, uh, and it's an error, but the the only correct response to error is is simply to correct it. There's no aspect of judgment, and it and fighting against it just brings it more into our awareness and emphasizes the illusion and not the not the truth behind it. And so, I, I have to say I was directed to, <laughs> to something just to give me relief against the depths of the, of just perhaps actually just feeling the split that's always, that I've always thought was there in the view of separation. And just to recognize it as an error. And uh, so from Lesson 95, you know, all the errors that seem to cause, you know, prove separation and, uh, and leave me as a separate being surrounded by a huge universe separate beings and a picture of chaos that uh, what lesson 95 says 95 says this is all just attempts to keep myself unaware I am one self united with my creator at one with every aspect of creation, limitless in power and in peace. This is the truth, and nothing else is true. Yeah, I'm... I I feel myself stopped when I want to speak for the one mind, but I think there is it is quite possible to speak from that view of unity. And, Like the Course of Love for its clarity. There's a line in today's reading which I think where he talks about 
This is why you must realize that your hatred is in your mind and not outside of it before you can get rid of it and why you must get rid of it before you can perceive the world as it really is. And the line in the Course of Love is where he says, I'm not asking you to accept what you don't like. I'm just asking you to accept that you don't like it. And if it's something that I am doing, then it's it's not an outside effect that has driven me to hate it. Just a choice within to view um, to view a need for separation to get rid of things I don't like. And this is not, this cannot be the basis on which, <laughs> you know, the awesome, uh, awesome majesty of nature has, is just filled with a profusion of life. It's clearly some manifestation of creation. And it is, it is all interrelated. But I think the view that, that helps see through it is to recognize it's the relationship that is the reality. And that relationship all occurs within one mind, which we share, which truly, seen truly, is the mind of our Creator. And it, it only... And only ask that we recognize that we're all in this together and and uh, all the problems can be solved within sharing, you know, the atonement of us sharing. And uh, any problems I have in my mind are because I hold my mind separate from the one mind which created us and I thank you all for being here. Uh, thank you, Lemoyne. Put a very excellent point on it. Yeah, thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne.